This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments, allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Rick Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. A word from our sponsor. A wise lion, distraught by the condition of the world and its people, tutors a human student about the part we all play in, creating and preserving balance and harmony on Mother Earth, an exploration of the true nature of the soul and spirituality. The lion's wisdom will move you to see the world around you differently. The first people get a 10% off on paperbacks. Follow the purchase link on umarshankari.com and use promo code MIND10. Hey guys, you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. As this week, we had an awesome interview discussing the power or influence in writing, how you can use writing for influence. We had the distinct honor of interviewing Carla D. Bass, a Colonel Air Force who's retired. Carla, who's a retired Colonel Air Force, served 30 years of active duty and another 12 with a federal agency working directly with general officers and civilian equivalents, ambassadors, congressional delegations, and foreign dignitaries. She wrote letters for the executive level signature reports for senior military leaders, hundreds of personnel appraisals, nominations for awards, congressional fellowships, and other competitive packages. She's composed elevator speeches, talking points, and executive correspondence, many of which were sent to Congress and the White House. In all instances, each word and every second of the audience's time counted. Carla developed her writing methodology and taught thousands of Air Force personnel for 15 years. Carla served in the locations to include Bulgaria, Germany, Korea, Hawaii, and Washington, D.C. She lives with her husband, Lynn Reeves, in the Virginia countryside. Carla has a unique look at things when it comes to writing. Even after going through this interview, it kind of has spiked my interest to use writing more 
as a way of influence uh, compared to just myself using my voice or using a video and those types of things. And she'll talk about the directness of how choosing which word to which and uh, how to make sure that your point is very direct and straightforward. I really had a blast on this show. I really recommend getting a pen and paper. She really brings a lot out there. And I'm actually looking forward to, as I said in the podcast, uh, to read her book because it's, I know it's going to help change me and I know it'll help with you also. So with no further ado, here is Carla D. Bass. Carla, welcome to the show. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to have you on. I mean, a retired Air Force, I give you a colonel, a retired Air Force. I, uh, very, um, um, that's even more impressive for me because I'm afraid of heights um, and so forth. So um, with all that. <laughs> Uh, so I'm really excited to have you. <laughs> I was like, oh, wow, retired Air Force. I'm like, there's probably stories there. Holy cow. Um, but very, very fascinated with that. And then, um, but the other part too is um, I'm big into influence. Uh, it's something that I study a lot um, in the sense of when I speak and when I do um, workshops and so forth. And I love how you talk about the right to influence in your book and so forth. Um, but before we get into all that, I was curious to know, like, how did you get passionate and, and how did writing become uh, interest to you? Uh, yeah, it, 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 I, I walked the dog backwards, and in a way, it all stems back to my own father, who was a retired Air Force colonel himself. When he commissioned me, he gave me three very brief pieces of advice. The first was, stay focused on the job, slash, don't get, get caught up in office politics. The second one was, keep your sense of humor. And the third, this is the third is what led me to where I am today. The third was, Always take care of your people and they will take care of you. So I, I instilled all three of those. And how I, how I began this journey was when I was a major. That was the first time I'd gotten back into a supervisory position. So you've got good people. What do you do? You compete your good people for awards. So I'm, I'm submitting all my folks, and, and they are regularly winning. Well, you know, I didn't think anything about it because great people, great stories, and so there you have it. But when I, when I moved on to my next assignment, I was a lieutenant colonel in charge of 480 people. It was a squadron in Hawaii. When I took command, it was the most losing unit in the island for the statewide professional awards. These were quarterly and annual awards. And, and it was almost a joke. We always, always lost. The, the tragedy is it's not because they deserved to lose. It's because these wonderfully talented young people had supervisors who couldn't tell their stories. They couldn't write winning nomination packages. So no matter how hard you worked, how many great initiatives you launched, if your boss couldn't convey that, you lost the award. So I took, I took three days personal vacation, sequestered myself in a beach cabin, and I analyzed my own writing. Carla, you were winning before. How do you write? What do you do? And how do you teach others? So out of that came a very small, I call it a tactical, a very rough little 28-page handbook. I taught my guys how to write, and we started sweeping the awards. Then the other units on the island said, hey, Colonel Bass, can, can you teach us too? Well, you know what, what flabbergasted me, because all my only concern were my 480 people, you know, take care of your people. I ended up teaching that little one-hour workshop for the next 15 years to thousands of people because the need was so vacuous back then. And that was before Twitter and Facebook and before our educational curricula stopped teaching this kind of writing. So it was from that assignment in Hawaii that I came to realize uh, that powerful writing changes lives. That's my battle cry now. Years, years after that, people would stop me at Defense Intelligence Agency or in the hallways of the Pentagon, and they'd say, Colonel Bass, if it weren't for... I wouldn't have. And, and that's why I am so passionate about sharing this with people. 
That's awesome. What is it you think about writing or is there a certain method or is it just writing in general that makes it so powerful and makes it uh, the opportunity to influence? Okay. I'm, I'm going to ask you to, and, and your listeners to imagine an inverted triangle because it, it's a two, it's a two part process. You can call it a methodology. I call it strategies and tools. Um, the, 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 the large part of the inverted triangle, this is where you develop the strategies to tell your story. You get the facts and the details. You identify the impact. You figure out how to analyze to, tell the, to, to deliver your message. And as you come down to the bottom, the pointy end of that inverted triangle, that's where that's where you apply what I invented in that in that little beach cabin, my word sculpting techniques. I have ten word sculpting tools uh, where you take your rough draft and you hone and you chip and and you really mold it into something that's concrete and hard hitting. So it's the inverted triangle, the strategies paired with the word sculpting tools. Very cool. And these, you said you had 10 tools that are, you, you use to um, sculpt like, a, like an actual sculpture, chiseling away. Is that kind of the concept? Yeah, what, yep, yep, exactly. So, so when I teach this in my workshops, I, I, I tell the audience, these are interactive, really fun workshops. I say, poof, you are now a sculptor. You're sitting in Paris. You've got the, the hammer and chisel and the smock, and you are facing a 10-foot chunk of marble. Because you are a master sculptor, you know instinctively what form is hiding inside that marble. So you go chisel, 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 and, and pretty soon you have all the scraps and, and remnants on the floor, and there's your statue. It's the same thing for word sculpting. After you get the initial draft, Okay, you've got your gut dump, as, as I describe it. You take these 10 tools, these, these 10 uh, uh, tools, you know, and, and you apply. And one by one by one, you chisel away the redundancies, the wasted words, the bureaucratic blather, and all of a sudden, you've got yourself a crisp, pristine, focused, and compelling message. That's pretty cool. Now, you want I, me to I, give you a sample? Yeah, go for it. Why not? Okay, so so one of my tool, and, and I do this with, they're all lighthearted. This uh, Right to Influence is the book. Um, it's not a boring textbook. Uh, it's lighthearted. It's fun. And so one of the word sculpting tools, uh, I call it verbs are your friends. Rely on them. And, and so what happens, in fact, here we go. Imagine right now a hard-boiled egg. Got it? Hard-boiled egg? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Now make that hard make that hard boiled egg six feet tall and focus on the yolk. The yolk is the verb. And what we do in contemporary sloppy business writing is we smother the verb in so much unnecessary stuff, it consumes space, it consumes time, and it makes for a very horrible product. So over to you. I'm going to, here's, instead of saying, uh, take you up on, give me, give me one word that says take you up on. I take you up on your offer. I take up on my offer. Choose another word. I, I, yeah, yeah. What's one one verb that equates to take you up on? Take you up on English. Is I take best. you up on your <laughs> offer. I I accept. Oh, gotcha. I accept. I Sorry, that's what. Okay. Okay. All right. That that's okay. You want one more? Yeah, let's go for it. Uh, okay. Um, provide answers. What's the verb that's hiding in there? You provide answers, or I provide answers, or um, you, you get rid of the word "provide." It's answer. Ah, gotcha. Instead of make an, instead of make an inquiry, it's ask. Instead of uh, make progress, it's progress. Um, instead of uh, arrive at a solution to a problem, it's resolve a problem. So you can you can shred away all of this surrounding white stuff and cut straight to the verb, and that makes for a crisper product. So you say that when like when people like the average person business you say contemporary business when they write is it just they're 
not being so direct or straightforward. They're adding more word or fluff or things like that in it. Yes, I, I don't think, well, one, I think maybe it's, it's bad habit because it's so, this, this, I call it bureaucratic blather is so pervasive. They, they haven't been exposed, the schools aren't teaching this, they haven't been exposed to write crisp, write clean. You don't have to have a discussion, you can discuss. Uh, it, uh, doesn't have is lax, just just right with a little bit of precision. And this, you see the same thing. Another one of my tools is called Don't Hog Space. And so uh, here, here's a, a one for you. What's one word that's, that equates to day-to-day? Day-to-day, like actions it's and stuff? Daily, daily. Day-to-day is yep. daily. Uh, in addition is also point of view is perspective so if you can go from many words down to one that's another way of 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 honing your writing so that it's not so verbose that it's it's snappier and and uh it conveys the message a lot more effectively i can definitely see that because even oh go ahead yeah, those are those are two of the uh, of the ten word sculpting tools. Did you do you want to share all ten, or you want to leave it for the listeners to uh, have to read your book and get all of them? <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> we got a, we got a good half hour, forty minutes left. So, <laughs> all right. Well, okay. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to one more. Cool. Um, uh, useless words. Um, that's actually the number one of the 10 tools. It's, it's find and, and carve out useless words, examples of useless words. Um, uh, provide, provide with. So you, you often hear, uh, um, I provide you with the opportunity to, or I provide you with, with whatever. The point here is with is always 100% not needed when you say provide because provide is it's a it's an action verb it's a transitive verb and i'll hit you with a little bit of grammar it takes a direct object i provide you the opportunity i provide you a pen i provide you a car you don't ever have to say with so that sloppy writing costs you the space before with then w-i-t-h that costs six spaces and and uh, let me hit you with just a, a my, my fundamental principle here, whether you're writing uh, fact or fiction, whenever you put thoughts to whatever the, the vehicle is, you're constrained by two things. You're constrained by time because everybody is busy. Knock, knock. Here's a question. Knock, knock. You know, knock, knock jokes? Yes, I do. Who's knock, there? Knock. Okay. Now, that's the wrong answer. Why? Because everybody is busy. So today's answer to knock, knock, it's not who's there. It's what do you want? So be courteous to your, your audience or to your, your reader. Get your message across and get off the stage. So the writer is constrained by time. Knock, knock, who's there? I'm busy. And you're also very often constrained by space. So whether it's the above-the-fold space on a web page or if it's something that limits you to X number of words or X number of spaces or if it's a government form or another corporate form that actually has uh, an area on a page uh, marked out, you know, where you are physically constrained, that's all the space you're allowed, those are the two constraints. So the person who learns to leverage the reader's time and the available space, the best often wins. How's that for a mouthful? That's awesome. <laughs> I, 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 I'm learning a lot just listening to it with everything. I think it's, uh, it, it, if, correct me if I'm wrong, it's, it's just being more direct or straightforward and more specific. Like just instead of a bunch of words, we get down to just, you know, get shorten the message up, be more simple with it and, Pretty much, that's where um, don't waste. And that's time. that's part of it. That's a big part of it. The other part, though, uh, and this is one of my strategies as opposed to a word sculpting tool. One of the strategies is don't accidentally bury your golden nugget. So, in this, this again, everything comes back into that time and space formula. 
The golden nugget, what I mean by that is if you have only three minutes of the audience's time, what is the most important thing you need to convey and convey that first? Again, in bureaucratic and corporate writing, we, we have gotten into this, this really bad habit of having to set the background, give a very long lead-in, set the context before you get to the main point. The problem is people spend so much time and verbiage in setting the context, you lose the reader. The, the, the fish, you have to hook the, hook, the, hook the audience. The fish smells the hook, and, and you haven't gotten to the worm, and so you lose the audience, and the fish swims away. So it's writing concisely, it's writing compellingly, but it's it's getting the messages prioritized. You kind of have to triage the amount of space and the amount of time you have and put the most important part um, up top. That's very interesting. Is it, do you want, when you're speaking or doing stuff, you want the golden nugget to be, If let's say if it's short, you want it to be up front. Is it because of how our memory works where we most of the time remember the first or the last thing and we kind of lose out in the middle? Uh, yes, that's part of it. The, uh, and that's, that's probably 50-50. But the thing is, if you, you, you risk not delivering your key message at all if you bury it in the middle because of time and space. You know, you're a busy person. All of your listeners are busy people. You're only going to go spend so many seconds on an email, spend so many seconds listening to a movie trailer. You've got to be able to get the message uh, across as soon as possible. That makes sense. Now, is that the same kind of advice you give to somebody who is, uh, let's say they're speaking for 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 45, or is there more time and play with that? Oh, no. I, I once, in fact, it was fairly recently, had, uh, had a 15-minute a opportunity um, to address three, no, two, 200 business entrepreneurs. That was a very um, valuable opportunity for me. I spent, I spent hours outlining how am I going to use every second of those 15 minutes, I mean hours, working on that 15-minute presentation. And then, because it was, a, it was a hard 15 minutes, do not exceed 15 minutes, I actually verbally practiced it um, you know, out loud over and over and over and over again to make sure I, I hit the, the mark. I almost talked myself hoarse um, <laughs> practicing <laughs> that so much. But that, that's another example where every, with no exaggeration, every second of that presentation counted. Every second was golden. That's awesome. Can anyone write uh, and learn to write, or is it just some people have the knack and tenacity and some don't? No, it's 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 easy to learn. You just this just folks haven't been exposed to it. Um, you know, when when you're going through high school and you're going through college and even grad school and uh, and and higher higher level academics uh, such as in the military, the the threshold seems to be give me a five thousand word paper, a ten thousand word paper, a four hundred word paper, and the the natural inclination is to think a little bit of meat and a lot of fluff and I can make that threshold. The problem is that's developing exactly the wrong muscle for coming out into the real world because out here, uh, business entrepreneurs are seeking, they're desperately seeking people who are able to write with, with this kind of focus precision. And by... By using the uh, the thought process I just described in academia, you're you're using it was eight years developing bad habits. So I I really wish I could get this into the school system so that students could come out much better prepared um, to uh, to excel in the in the job market. That's awesome, and I hope that happens because I know that can definitely be needed, um, very much so. What are things you see that are like, let's say, entrepreneurs and so forth? What are the biggest mistakes do they make when it comes to writing that you see? Um, or is it more of like a general uh, kind of thing? No, it's it's. I 
think the biggest mistake is they're they're afraid to be direct. They they um, they they couch. I, I go back to all of the the lead-in stuff. This here, well, here's the horse before the cart um, is another. It's kind of similar to the golden nugget thought, but but they 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 bury the main message way deep in the communication, and and folks just don't have the time or the patience to get to it. There's nothing wrong with being direct. You you don't have to you don't have to tiptoe. Uh, with the audience or or with your reader in fact readers appreciate something that's crisp and clear and direct it saves them time you know if if the writer looks at this from an empathetic perspective if you're the one that's going to be receiving the message that you are about to write would you like to have to wade through a lot of stuff whether it's the the lengthy preamble or whether it's bureaucratic blather to figure out what it is that that the message really is the the answer is no just if you would like to to receive it clear and concise and crisp and be done then strive your best to um to present it that way and it, does it take work? Yes. I love a quote from Mark Twain. Mark Twain once wrote a friend that he didn't have time to write a short letter, so he's writing a long one instead. And I get this response often from students, whatever level they happen to be at to include grad students, is when I explain that you've got your, you've got your draft and you apply the word sculpting techniques, you reduce it by about, I don't know, 60%. And the, it's kind of funny. The response is generally, oh, I have to write more. <laughs> well, yes, you do. The, the, the flip side to that, though, is you have, if you're trying to make a case, if you're trying to make a point, you have just bought yourself a, an extra many, many, many lines to further reinforce and drive home your point. You've bought yourself more opportunity to um, to seal the bid, to win the contract, to 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 uh, justify yourself or get a subordinate promoted. That space is valuable. And by by writing with this methodology, that's how you make your points across and you make them powerfully. I could totally see that. I could totally see the students too saying exactly that. Oh, I have to write more. I don't know if I want to do that. But I love the other side of the point you bring to the table. Well, it, and I, I I can convey that visually. If if you imagine um, a, a a white rectangle and then outline it in black, the the rectangle is about an inch tall and and six inches wide. Now put in that white rectangle a big fat bold black word, opportunity. So that's the time and the space equals opportunity in that rectangle. If you can think like that and strive to write like that, I'm telling you, it opens doors that simply, that simply wouldn't, uh, wouldn't open. I received a, a great email, uh, it was last year, from one of the senior airmen uh, who was with me when I first started this journey 25 years ago. He said, Colonel Bass, you probably don't remember me, and truth be told, I, I didn't. He said, I wanted to let you know, I kept that little handbook that you, that you wrote for 18 years. Because of it, I got into officer training school. I just retired. No, I retired as an officer after 20 years, and I'm now the vice president of a defense corporation because you taught me how to write. That's, now, that's amazing. Not a, that's not a pat on my back. That's my using that as an example to explain that this writing methodology, the word sculpting, right to influence, what, what I've put out there works. And I, I keep getting um, feedback like that. And that's what, what drives me ever onward. I love that. That's awesome. How do you help individuals learn to love writing? How, is it the word sculpting or is there other things to like get them to be excited about writing and those types of things? I, in, in, this, in this book, in Write to Influence, I actually I talk about Goldilocks and Rumpelstiltskin. And I'm going to answer your question with my Mary Poppins part. You know, Mary Poppins said in in 
every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. You find the fun and snap the jobs a game. So writing is a scavenger hunt. How is it a scavenger hunt? After you've got the draft, then you go hunting and pecking and seeking for those wasted words, for the redundancies, for the, the, the fat verbs. So it's a scavenger hunt. That's fun. It's, it's photography because you start off with kind of a fuzzy concept, but the more detail you add, the more you develop the idea, it comes into focus. So it's photography. Uh, writing can be poker. It's a game of strategy. If you are competing for a bid or or competing for a grant, uh, or if you have a a policy perspective, you would like your your policy approach to be selected over somebody else's. It's poker in that you need to do some homework and know what the opposition is, what, what their points are, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and then you can write to that in your paper. So it's, it's a little bit of poker. And then lastly, it's painting because as you add detail and statistics, that, that lends contour and depth and dimension to your product, it provides the, the reader kind of a mental yardstick to understand what you're saying. So if you look at writing from those perspectives, it's, it's not a drudgery. It's not something that should intimidate you. It, it's a chance to tell your story. And using these techniques and strategies, you can tell your story well. And, and then it's a magic key because it, it opens doors. You know, powerful writing often tips the balance between success and failure. And uh, there are a lot of really good research ideas, a lot of good scientific and technical concepts that don't get off the drawing board because the, the brilliant person who conceived them couldn't convince the board that finances them of the benefits they offer. So this, this ability to communicate cuts so many ways and has so many applications. Yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, seeing that. It's, it's pretty impressive in how you explain it in so many different fashions to um, get even myself excited to write more. I mean, I write books, but like uh, I was on a call with someone and uh, we were talking about blogging and writing a blog. And I'm like, nope, that's not me. Don't like writing a blog. It's not my thing. <laughs> and, uh, but seeing it from your perspective and how you share it, it's like, yeah, it can be fun putting things together and so much more. Yep. Now, is well, it, we're, okay. we're all storytellers. That's the next one. That's what I was just about to ask. Um, how much does the story, you know, is it all about just getting the story out of you into writing and does that create the influence in a sense or what, what, your, what do you think about that or what's your thoughts on that? Uh, no, the, the, the story itself, the idea doesn't by itself influence uh, and, and I'll, go back to the examples of the research and development and the brilliant ideas on the drawing board, no matter how brilliant that idea is, if you, if you don't craft it in such a way, if you don't present it in a way that the audience understands, which is another key point is know the audience, know what the audience understands about your topic, know what language they speak, and then and pitch it to them in, in a way that they will, they will grasp it. But, it, it all depends on how you present the message and the, the more tools that you can bring to bear, the more you understand the audience and what it needs. Again, empathy is a big player here. Then the more influence or influential you'll be in, in delivering it. Um, chapter two of the book is uh, the psychology of the catch. I love that. And I have a cartoon of a, of a fisherman, um, you know, doing his thing off of a rowboat the number one cardinal rule in writing is, is know the audience. Well, what's the background? What are their desires? What are their needs? Don't talk above their heads. Uh, on the other side, don't, don't talk so elementary um, in such elementary terms that you're going to alienate them. You, you've got a target. The fisherman knows the type of fish. He knows the feeding habits. He knows the location. He knows how weather is going to impact the fish. You need to have uh, a similarly focused beeline 
on the audience so that you can actually target it and, and, uh, and make a spot on delivery. I like that. I like how you share about the knowing your audience is huge. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like speaking two different languages. If you don't know your audience, you're not going to get your message across, and influence is not going to be there. Um, how? Mm-hmm. So t- tapping into th- uh, what we've been talking about, how then? You know, looking at like you know, I'm thinking of the listeners. We have a variety of types of listeners that listen to the podcast, and um, I know a lot of them probably write emails. Um, is the same school for thought? going into emails as it is um, other types of writing and so forth? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I have an entire chapter on email. Now, I, I, wish, I wish I could see your audience right now. I'd ask them, raise your hands if, if you are frustrated that people often, A, don't read your email, or B, only answer one or two of your three or four points. I can see the hands raised all all over your broadcasting area. So so the the tips the tips on email. First of all, it, it's triaging. Um, it, I have one. I have slide in 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 my workshop where I, I ask the audience, to, the participants, to actually raise your hands when I read this and I lose you. So I start, and these are. Uh, based on real email, blah, 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 up go the hands. The problem is that the bottom third of the email says the new CEO is going to come visit you, you're a division chief, and he wants a briefing on A, B, C, D, and E. But you didn't know that because it was such a poorly written email, you tuned it out and guess who's in trouble, the person who wrote the bad email or you because the boss is coming and you didn't know it. So with the triage, you, you leverage the title of the email. If there's an action, say action, colon, and what it is. So right off the bat, you've got the individual's attention. I'm listening to you. I owe you something. And, and then it's the triage. I actually, I, I say, dear so-and-so, action, dot, dot, uh, due date, dot, dot, and then comes the background, dot, 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 dot. So it's it's the horse before the cart. It's get the golden nuggets up front, and then comes all the background information. And then another tip I have is if you have two or three points, tell the reader that in the opening line. Dear Jane, three three quick questions, three bold three quick questions, and then number them one period, two period, three period to help walk the the recipient through your thought process. So the the more the more you can make it easy for the reader to digest the the greater likelihood you'll have in having them respond to all of your points I love that. I think that, that that's that's huge. There's some stuff I'm like, oh yeah, I write emails a certain way. It's like that I actually do that it's easy that makes it so much more simple and you it, it, it sometimes I've heard uh, advice talking about like when it comes to giving a direction, you want to be able to have like a, I don't know, a second grader be able to look at the direction and follow it. And if you can, if they can do that, then you've gotten it to a level where you're good. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like and that. Just remember everybody. It, no, that, that's exactly right. But uh, primarily for the emails, remember people are friggin' busy out there. So, so as few words, and it's you're not being rude. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a, a big driving factor. People are just they they don't want to offend. Well, it's not offensive if you are concise and precise and, and put it out there. Um, oh, a, another thing I laugh about is for me the in an email. The biggest conversation killer is, dear Jane, thank you for blah blah blah. Because my visceral response to a dear Jane, thank you for blah, blah, my, my response is, you're welcome. And I close the email and I go off and do something else. But if there is a point that you need to make or something else that you're requesting in, in lines that follow that, dear Carla or dear Jane, thank you for blah, 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 well, the, you've lost the reader. So flip it. Dear dear Jane, uh, I need to ask a favor. Can you please blah, 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 blah. And then thank you so much for what you did before. So it's what you present first. 
I like that. That that's uh, that's smart, and it gets it again. Golden nugget right up front. Get get that out yep. there first, yep, yep, and yep, yep, everything yep. else. Um, does that yep. also play in a role shifting from emails into like resumes? Does it is it, it how is it is it the same kind of strategy, or is there something a little different with that? No, all of this stuff applies to resumes too, and there just happens to be an entire chapter in the book, uh, Right to Influence on Resumes as well. So with resumes, the, the opening two lines on the tip top of the page are the most important. Um, but before I explain why, ex- look, at it, look at it from the job owner's perspective, the, the company to whom you are applying. Don't don't have the resume so focused on me, 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 and that, that seems counterintuitive, but but pitch it in how can I help you? This is how I can help you. So in those opening two lines at the top of the first page, what is it that you bring to the company? I bring the ability to help you. How? How can I further your mission? As opposed to, here are my skill sets and you're beating your chest. It's how can I help you? You can benefit. You can benefit by hiring me because this is what I do. So it's, it's a flip of the mindset. Then uh, a, a mistake that so many people make in resumes, I'm looking for, uh, the, the bullets. Use hard-hitting action verbs for the bullets instead of provided, uh, responsible for, assisted, coordinated. All of those verbs that I just mentioned only beg the question, how or what did you really do? Instead of implemented, masterminded, led, initiated, you know, uh, things that are more descriptive, more forward-moving, not so passive. And then the other thing I mentioned on resumes, uh, I see this so very often, is if you start, if you start, and this goes to any list, not just resumes, so, so this goes to all bulleted lists. If you start off with a verb, start each one of those bullets with a verb. And if you start them with a verb, please make sure they're in the same tense. So provide, and I don't like that, I don't like that, um, uh, assists, um, um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm stumbling here for verbs, but, but make them all past tense or make them all present tense, but don't mix the tenses. And on, on other lists, not in resumes, if you start a bulleted list off with a noun, make them all nouns. Don't flip between nouns and verbs. Are you tracking with me on that? No, I'm totally with you on that. That, that makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah. Otherwise, you end up with a rhythm that snags. And if, if the rhythm snags like a, a car that's not making it from second to third gear, you run the risk of losing the reader. Whatever you write, you want it to go down absolutely smooth as silk down the gullet into the reader's brains with no distraction and no snags. That makes perfect sense. And I was kind of thinking about it when you're talking about the resume, when they talk about their skill sets right up on the top and being a business owner, that's the one thing I'm looking for. Like, are they talking about what they can do for us or are they just going to share their skill sets? And and when I see that, I'm like, okay, this is, but, um, you know, maybe someone will, will, will think about it. But when I see, I know I can help establish the value to this, the, the business and, and we can do this. And I'm like, okay, just their, their thought process is team. I like this. That's how I take it. When they're looking at from there, it's like, yep. oh, this is team. I'm with you now. All right. Then let me look at what else they have here. Yep. So yep. I can totally. And, totally and you know, this, Oh, exactly. And this, the same thing with resumes about the psychology of the catch to, to do, to do a very well written resume uh, one has to research what's the company, what are the company's values, its goals, its objectives, uh, who are its customers. You, you have to know who you're targeting, and then you can tailor the resume um, more specifically and stand a better shot at, of at least getting an interview. So true. Um, normally, when, when people come out and they have written a book, I always love asking this question, and that is when you wrote the book, who were you writing the book for? That's the beauty of this book. 
it applies to so many people. It applies to the folks in the workplace because, you know, I still work for the government. So I see this bureaucratic blather. It, it drives me nuts. So I'm, I'm writing for my colleagues and the next generation of the workforce, you know, coming, coming into the workforce. I'm writing for college kids because they're not getting this in school. And I'm, I've written it for the high school um, students who are looking at that, uh, that college application essay. And the thing, the, the right to influence is, is written from such different perspectives. It applies to, it, it spans that entire wide-ranging audience. And I, I wanted to mention one more thing is, you know, I'd mentioned it's lighthearted, it's fun, it's an easy read. The, the artist who's behind this for me, his name is Tim Newland. Uh, Tim is an American expat in Denmark uh, who is a, a Disney certified artist and the most important picture in that entire book, this is one I, I wrote, the, the first edition came out in 2017. I needed a word sculptor. This, this, this picture, I can't tell you how important it was to this whole project. It had to, it had to have a character just imbued with lighthearted personality. So when I found the sculptor, I asked Tim, I told Tim what I was doing, and he, he actually custom designed the image of the word sculptor for me, which I am eternally grateful for for which I am eternally grateful. And then for the second edition, I have many, many more of his images in that book. And what's ironic about Tim is his job, he just retired, but he was a, a graphic artist. The cartoons were a sideline. He was a graphic artist supporting five research institutions in Denmark. And his job was to help these, these scientific technical geniuses convey their ideas to the people that would fund them. So Tim graphically did what I'm trying to do with verbiage, and that's help people communicate uh, what's not so easily shared with people who are not the technical folks with that depth of scientific background. So that's just another couple of you know, insights into the book. I wanted to share that. Tim is just fabulous. I'm very grateful to him. That sounds pretty cool, especially taking the scientific type principles that's so left brain and then switching that over and bringing an artistic style to convey the message to a right brain. I'm, I'm, that's just, that's amazing. Yep. Now for, I, I know we, we, I may already know the answer to this, but first edition, second edition, why is it more, is it more, is there a difference between the two and why? Uh, why? So there, there's a, there's a huge difference. Yep. Huge. And thank you for that. The, uh, when the first edition came out in, in January, 2017, I immediately began teaching workshops. I, I have developed so much new material over the last two years for these workshops. The second edition contains all of that new material. So, so I have uh, what I call a baker's dozen, 13 tips each for, for resumes, for uh, input to your own performance appraisal, for writing tips, for writing grants. The, the second edition has a chapter now on writing grants, on writing an elevator speech, on you know, several new chapters, but it's all based on the material that I developed after the first edition for all these two years' worth of workshops. So uh, the workshops, I teach government agencies, corporations, NGOs. Uh, I've taught in, in uh, master's programs in high schools. So, so this whole range of the audience that we've discussed, I've taught workshops for. And, and the workshops go anywhere from one hour to actually from 15 minutes, I, I laugh at that, uh, but all the way to two full days. I have a client I teach a two-day workshop in, uh, in New York and Chicago. Um, but all of that information I've, I've cranked into the second edition that was published last month. I can't wait to uh, dive into the second edition. Where, where can people get a, find your book? Thank you. It's, it's online, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon, uh, pretty much anywhere online, not in the bookstores, just, just online. And it's, it's gotten wonderful, wonderful reviews. That's awesome. And I can see why. I mean, the passion you bring about writing and 
you know, influence. I mean, I, like I said, I studied a lot in influence with speaking and it's just, um, the writing is now another avenue that I know I'm going to check out, um, and how to be more influential in what I do. Um, uh, so I appreciate that and so much more. How can the listeners, um, if they want to contact you or get a hold of you or learn more about what you're up to and so forth, um, how can they do that? Yep, thank you. My website is www.righttoinfluence.net. Um, they can reach me, email me at Carla at righttoinfluence.net. Uh, and I would like to direct them to the media page on that website. There is so much material uh, available there. Um, the web, web, I'm sorry, podcasts, um, TV interviews they can watch. And at the bottom of that page, I think I've got about 20 different articles that I've written on a host of topics uh, that have been published in various venues. So it's, it's pretty much like, a, like an extra reading library. All, all available, just to go help themselves. That is so awesome. I'm going to definitely check it out. I recommend listeners to do the same. Carla, this was a, a pleasure having you on. I uh, definitely saw something in a different light and a different perspective and learned a few things just myself. And I know the listeners have also um, when it comes to being influencer writing. So I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate the work you're doing and the influence that you're doing on many different levels uh, to help People who are with resumes, essays in the college, period, I can't even say it, uh, but corporations and so forth in so many ways. Well, I appreciate it. You know, powerful writing changes lives and it's the, the lifeblood for successful businesses. And I'm, I'm here only to help empower people to open doors for themselves. It just, it, it brings me great joy to do that. I love that. Well, keep, keep rocking and rolling what you're doing. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. And I can't wait to check out your work. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Acast anbefaler. Mit navn er Anders Morgenthaler. Over for mig sidder Roald Bergmann. Vi har lavet en ny podcast, der hedder Dopaminklubben. Og Dopaminklubben er en klub, hvor ADHD er fucking sjovt, og hvor det griner. Det behøver ikke at være super alvorligt. Vi skider skrætte af alle de der podcaster, forklarer mig nederen der. Vi gør grin med vores ADHD. Mulig ADHD. Ja, vi udreder mig, fordi nogen siger, at jeg har det. Jeg ved det ikke rigtigt, det finder vi ud af. Vi har i hvert fald lavet vedmål. Ind og lyt til Dopaminklubben. Hver uge udkommer vi. Der laver vi sjov og spas med at have den her vidunderlige 